Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today I uh, have great pleasure in bringing to you a guest, uh, someone that I met at the America's Truth Forum. I've talked to you about that uh, several weeks back when I went to that incredibly illuminating forum. And one of my favorite speakers was uh, Harvey Kushner. Harvey is a professor at Long Island University, and a federal government counterterrorism advisor. Uh, He's a professor of criminal justice at Long Island University, but his credentials in terrorism are very, very impressive. What particularly impressed me is that looking up his long list of book publications, um, I saw that many of them started actually before 9-11. People have... um, he actually was trying to warn us all of the dangers of terrorism before 9-11 happened, and obviously people were not listening sufficiently well. And I'm trying to uh, help people to pay attention now by bringing such experts to you. And, of course, you know I've talked to you uh, significantly about my own book, Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted, and the denial that has to be broken through first in order for us to first recognize our emotions. Well, there's denial that has to be broken through first to recognize just how dangerous things are. And um, Harvey Kushner's most recent book is Holy War on the Home Front, The Secret Islamic Terror Network in the United States. So, um, And it is, as some uh, media people have commented, it, it is or should be required reading. So, Harvey, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I, I was very impressed and um, and and moved um, by your talk at America's Truth Forum. I mean, particularly because it resonated; it was so real. Um, your talk about uh, how terrorism has moved to the university, and I, I must say, it, it just gave me the feeling of. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess. Um, my own college days, I was wondering what has happened to college, to universities, since my own college days. I mean, it just seems like uh, things have gotten so radically, you should excuse the pun, different. Well, uh, you know, colleges have always been um, all places where um, people have um, espoused all sorts of uh, anti, shall we say, establishment type of rhetoric and always would question and doubt whether or not uh, this country uh, was doing the right thing, uh, be it in foreign policy or in terms of uh, treating the citizenry. Uh, But over the last uh, couple of decades, it's gotten, um, in fact, worse than it was during the 60s in which um, people just were looking for um, world peace uh, very naively in the thinking that uh, by um, America's position in the globe uh, could be brought about uh, through reason and dialogue and uh, 
that uh, was oftentimes naive, but it was oftentimes, um, you know, um, wishful thinking and, quite frankly, um, uh, something that uh, was quite disturbing to those of us who believed that American foreign policy wasn't necessarily um, the cause of uh, our problems. But um, with the birth of militant Islam and the Iranian Revolution, our universities uh, began to be infiltrated uh, by foreign elements who uh, were using uh, the university as uh, not only a recruiting ground for individuals uh, to espouse their ideology, but also to um, sort of destroy a uh, dialogue uh, between um, uh, people who try to approach uh, the study of uh, the world uh, from an academic uh, uh, standpoint. Uh, so we, universities are no longer um, bastions of a dialogue between, uh, shall we say, left and right, and between liberal, conservative, or different ends of the continuum, uh, but appear to be just um, uh, places in which um, anything to bash uh, the United States or to bash uh, uh, the culture of uh, the West, um, in particular um, Judeo-Christian principles, uh, is very popular. And um, it's disturbing to few of us. <laughs> I, I underline that really in... Uh, underline boldface and italics, there are a few of us who um, believe that um, there should be more uh, dialogue um, and uh, raucous debate, shall we say, rather than just a one-sided opinion of, uh, of the world. Well, you know, I mean, th that is a good point that... Um, I mean, I said it was different from when I was there, but in a sense, it's the same as far as this being sort of a period of time when um, people are prone to be rebellious. I mean, it's sort of a developmentally, um, you know, developmentally, it's the time when you, you gain independence from your family. A lot of people go away from home for the first time and so on, and they're looking to rebel. But I guess what's different is the fact that... Um, now there are actual elements infiltrating the colleges and universities to capitalize on this desire to rebel and to really um, do it in very much more serious terms. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, certainly universities were always um, areas in which people came to experiment. And you're right, rebel. And, and in fact, the college officials, myself included, felt that you should allow kids to um, express themselves in different ways and often excuse them in forms that probably weren't right. Uh, for example, uh, um, up until federal law made it uh, mandated that uh, crimes um, be reported uh, and collected and gathered, uh, kids that were caught uh, driving their vehicle while intoxicated on campus were just... Uh, you know, the keys were taken away and the local authorities weren't called and uh, they got sort of a pass where a kid who wasn't in college got caught on the public highway, uh, uh, got dealt with differently. Um, so, um, you know, people understand that. But but, but I, I think today uh, there are outside sources, um, not just the professors who in the past were sort of the ringleaders in this rebellion and, and sort of helped it along. Uh, but quite frankly, there are not only people within our country, but uh, foreign entities that are using our colleges and universities as uh, recruiting grounds, training grounds for 
uh, all sorts of uh, technical knowledge, as well as to ferment, um, you know, ideological debate. And, um, you know, it's not unlike the recruiting grounds inside of a prison, whereas in the prison you have a very susceptible population uh, who could be turned around and used. Uh, so could college campuses. And uh, quite frankly, it's, it's probably more dangerous the recruitment that goes on on college campuses because uh, these are our future leaders and the movers and shakers in our society who are getting a very contorted view of America, American foreign policy, uh, America's belief system. And, and so I think it's quite dangerous, uh, this change in what the university is being used for. And could you uh, tell us about how... Um the um, Islamic extremists or Islamic governments are um, have gotten into Harvard and Columbia, for example? Well, you know, um, many years ago, um, you did have Islamic study programs that were far and few between. Uh, they were basically more culture-orientated. Uh, certainly, uh, were, uh, when I was at New York University, they had a very uh, rich program in Islamic art. Uh, and, but... Um, Today, um, many foreign governments, the Saudis included, as well as even the bin Laden family, have uh, given uh, millions of dollars uh, to open up um, not only uh, Islamic studies programs, but have funded other um, types of programs at universities very heavily and have recruited individuals, obviously, who um, are in line with um, their, um, shall we say, propaganda, and, uh, you know, all one has to do is uh, Google um, Islamic study program uh, and um, come up with a variety of them from Georgetown to, uh, to Harvard to Columbia, and also as well as political science departments and history departments. Um, we're not even talking about the hard sciences. And, and take a look at the individuals who populate uh, these um, uh, programs and uh, Google them with uh, questionable organizations certainly Islamic charities and uh, other activities, and you're going to find a uh, significant network uh, that takes place here, uh, you know, inside American colleges. And um, uh, I I think, uh, you know, one is remiss if they don't uh, look in their own town, and it doesn't have to be Columbia University, which is in New York, or certainly Harvard up in Boston, or um, you know Georgetown, which is down in Washington. But take a look at uh, Kansas, take a look at Missouri, take a look at every nook and cranny in the United States where you have a community college, where you have a college, and you'll see the uh, significant growth of Islamic study programs. And not that all of them are bad, but certainly uh, take a look at the people who uh, teach them and their affiliation, and whether they are American citizens and. And what do they say in the media? What do they say in the, their published works? And I think the public would be shocked to see uh, the one-sided debate that continues to uh, um, take place at uh, institutions of higher learning. Yes, I mean, I'm sure some people would say, um, well, it's wonderful that there are these Islamic study programs because, you know, it, it helps to people to understand each other's culture and, and what's wrong with that. Well, there's nothing really wrong with that. Uh, if, in fact, uh, you know, the New Testament and the Old Testament was uh, uh, brought to bear in the same way, I mean, you know, one could uh, do sensitivity training in public schools about our Islamic neighbors, but uh, you know, we're coming up on Christmas season, and uh, you know, that's a no-no in most schools in this country. In fact, uh, uh, just uh, yesterday, um, 
the F1 Seattle, dismantled um, uh, Christmas trees because huh. uh, an individual uh, decided that he wanted to have his um, religion um, uh, alongside, um, you know, the Christmas tree. And, and look out in uh, your neck of the woods, out in the the left coast. Uh, no political pun intended, but out in the left coast, uh, you have a uh, congressman that wants to be sworn in um, using the Quran. Yes. And, and I think that opens up uh, a significant uh, debate whether or not he should have that ability to do so. Yes. And when we come back, let's talk more about that. My guest today is Harvey Kushner. He is the author of many books, the latest of which is Holy War on the Home Front. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What's wrong with the airlines today? Why are they all in bankruptcy? What exactly is airline deregulation? Exactly how does luggage get lost? Why can't they do something to improve the security screenings process? What airline stocks should I buy? Find out on Jack Cady's All Things Aviation, an eclectic insider's look into the airline and aviation business. From how to get through airport security quicker, the future of the airline industry, what airline hubs to connect at, problems facing private pilots, what airline stocks to invest in, how to kill time at an airport, the effect of oil prices on airfares, how to get a good seat, websites for getting the lowest airfares, airline safety, and knowing your travel rights. Jack Cady, an aviation professional with over 35 years experience, covers it all. Jack Cady's All Things Aviation broadcast each Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Jack Cady's All Things Aviation, informative insight on travel, airlines, airports, and anything in between from a seasoned professional. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're talking with Harvey Kushner, who has been trying to warn our country about the infiltration and the danger of terrorists and terrorism uh, for years even before 9-11, which I find quite significant. We're uh, hoping that people will listen more now um, since obviously we weren't ready at the time of 9-11. Before the break, we were talking about um, the congressman who has asked to be sworn in on the Koran instead of uh, using the Bible. And uh, yes, that, that was rather shocking. And, and certainly after uh, going to America's Truth Forum, my, my first reaction was, you see, it is here. Well, it is. Um, I, the Bible... Uh... The New Testament, uh, you know, and the Old Testament, uh, really uh, are basic symbols of our society and our Judeo-Christian heritage in which this country was founded upon. Uh, The basic principles within the Koran or with any number of other holy books that uh, provide the backdrop for other religions, whether it be Hindu or Buddhist or whatever, uh, really um, have no place uh, in American society in terms of um, it's uh, creation. Uh, certainly we were created uh, where anyone could practice their own religion unencumbered by, uh, by law or by um, any, um, you know, uh, rule or regulation. Um, and it seems to me that uh, uh, by uh, denying um, the basic principles of our system, uh, and using the Quran, I think one is using an instrument which is not only a um, a holy book, so to speak, but also a, a legal code. And I think the one who um, uses that to um, swear himself or herself into office is really um, swearing allegiance uh, to a, a form of um, government and law which is uh, foreign to um, this country. Uh, you know, certainly the individual is not going to deny that uh, Sharia law uh, law practice under Islam is not a higher standard than uh, the law, uh, our system of laws. Um, so I find it quite disturbing. I, there are people of other religions who have held office in this country and had not had a problem. Uh, I think by um, doing this, we go down that slippery slope to losing our identity, something in which the American Civil Liberties Union uh, always complains and something that the Council of American Islamic Relations, probably the most dangerous suppressive group in this country, uh, is intending to uh, uh, push. Uh, and that is, uh, <clears throat> as under the guise of equal rights, I think what they're doing is creating unequal rights, and um, this, to me, is very uh, troublesome. Well, particularly since um, in the Koran, or, um, there... <laughs> There are numerous um, passages in which uh, the destruction of America is called for, or destruction of infidels, um, of which the West is the predominant uh, target. And uh, so, in a sense, I mean, it's, it's such a it's it's an irony or hypocrisy that here, uh, I mean, for us to allow someone to be sworn in on a book that preaches the destruction of our country is just preposterous. Well, you know, um, I think if you take a look at any holy book, you're going to have interpretations that are going to border on being very frightening. Uh, certainly there are 
portions of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Book of Revelations, in fact, uh, that uh, some people at the extremes have interpreted, uh, which could be harmful to um, decent law-abiding citizens. But uh, I think, uh, as, as most of us who are in this business uh, understand, uh, there are portions of the Quran and certainly the, the books surrounding the Quran, uh, the Hadiths, the, you know, the beliefs of the Prophet and the practices, which I think are extraordinarily problematic, and I think uh, uh, political correctness um, doesn't allow us really uh, to discuss that in any any great detail, and, and that's a real concern. And, and you know, we started talking here about um, myself trying to warn um, the government many years ago about the threat of uh, radical militant Islam, and uh, unfortunately, it's five years plus past the World Trade Center. Uh, 9-11, that is, and uh, I don't see us making any real headway in, in fighting um, our enemy. In fact, though, we seem to be losing ground very rapidly. Um, something very significant is coming out of Great Britain in the last couple of days, and the British government is going to try not to use the term war on terrorism. Now, uh, you know, th this is uh, bizarre, because they feel that by using the word war on terrorism, they're... Um, instigating and uh, causing problems with their uh, Muslim population inside of um, mm. uh, Great Britain. Uh, you know, I find that kind of bizarre, because when the president used Islamo-fascism, um, you know, uh, people of Islamic belief uh, were very upset by that, because he said, here you're using Islam and, and terrorism in the same sentence. And I agreed that it should be, because when we were at war in World War II, we were at war in a war with kamikazes or blitzkriegs. We were at war with Nazi Germany, um, a fascist Italy, and Imperial Japan, and we were afraid to identify our enemies. So here we have a much more watered-down PC term mm. called the war on terrorism, and the Brits, our only remaining strong ally, um, uh, one who is a quasi-superpower, is no longer going to use the term war on terrorism. So it seems to me that uh, we're moving further away from, and we're moving into a complete state of denial, and that if we um, uh, cease and desist and we're not as aggressive, uh, it might go away. And I think we're deluding ourselves uh, to thinking, for example, as this, um, I know I'm jumping all around here, but I think yeah, these okay. things are related. Uh, you know, the new report that just came out, the Baker uh, report, uh, you know, saying that we should be dealing with um, Syria and Iran. I mean, uh, I think that's, that's bizarre, uh, the manner in which we are uh, dealing with the problem at hand. And uh, quite frankly, uh, it's going to take another disastrous episode, like a 9-11, to wake the American public mm -hmm. up that uh, the problem hasn't abated, it hasn't gone away, and we really need to deal with it, and we have to deal with it head on. Well, yes, actually, um, I mean, I've been thinking about that, how, um, you know, what we, we talk about political correctness, but really part of why we're so eager to continue that um, in regard to terrorism is because it helps us maintain our own denial of the problem. You know, if we, if we can say there isn't a war on terror, for example, or, um, you know, or we are... We, we continue to be super politically correct, it helps us to pretend to ourselves that terrorists are not really a threat. And we should just, you know, be very um, careful and, and uh, it, that it doesn't matter if we're this careful. Or, you know, we should 
because because they really aren't a, a big threat. Well, you know, um, but you know the facts uh, uh, point in the other direction. I mean, if you look at the times the United States has been attacked and American assets, both here and abroad, over the last three decades, it's uh, predominantly, uh, almost exclusively, uh, at the hand of the Islamic terrorists. Certainly the Council of American uh, Islamic Relations will always pull out of their uh, pocket uh, Timothy McVeigh and say, well, why aren't you profiling um, you know, Americans with blue eyes and blonde hair who are Christians? Uh, but that's you know, an aberration. That was one incident where you know, I could stand here for the next uh, hour and, and name events uh, you know, just in the last year, which were all precipitated by militant Islam and, and going back to... Um, Iranian Revolution, uh, you know, attack after attack against the United States, both here and abroad, have been in behalf of, of militant Islam. And, and to deny this is, I, I think, quite quite bizarre. Now, I understand there are interests, uh, certainly oil interests, and there are other interests, uh, both here and abroad, that would rather uh, turn away because uh, it's easier uh, to do that and then to cut off profit. And... Um, you know, relationships that uh, bring in significant amounts of money. But um, we're faced with uh, a, um, a significant group of people, both here and worldwide, uh, that want to do us harm. I mean, I mean in his worst times, um, uh, uh, Sammy DeBull Gravano and John Gotti were uh, pussycats compared to uh, militant Islam for the for the sheer reason that uh, they wanted to live here and uh, profit uh, from a, a our society, whereas militant Islam really wants is calling for the complete destruction of not only our economy but of our way of life. And um, I, I think we're in um, dire need of leadership which understands this and is able to deal with it in a fashion that would not appease the enemy. Because, you know, I see parallels between what's going on now and uh, 1936, 1937, and 8 in Europe. Mm. Um, certainly, um, uh, they wanted to uh, Poland was appeased. Uh, they were going to appease by giving Czechoslovakia to the Germans, and, and, and look what that march did. And I see it now by bringing in Iran and bringing in Syria, who have a stake in a, in a Middle East that's not stable. I mean, it's beyond belief that, that any analyst doesn't see this and doesn't understand this. Uh, and, um, you know, people... Believe so you're saying that um, that you don't agree that we should bring them to the table, I mean, have them... Negotiate or, or um... no? I don't. I don't at all. I, there was no negotiating with Adolf Hitler, and uh, the Soviets tried to do that by signing a non-aggression pact. And look what happened to them. Uh, I believe that the only way to deal with uh, Ahmadinejad and uh, um, and and the Syria is, is is through force and through containment, uh, in which um, it's unfortunate, but uh, we go it alone. I mean, the Brits, uh, Tony Blair has up to the plate, but we see the pressure that he's under, uh, specifically from a lot of his constituents. If you, if you travel, as I do, extensively throughout Europe, you will find that it's being slowly uh, taken over, and within the next 20, 30 years, it'll be predominantly Islamic. And, um, yes. 
you know, this is something that, uh, you know, one should conceptually uh, shouldn't have a problem with. Uh, people have a right to procreate, but uh, certainly the procreation of the Islamic race throughout um, Europe and the United States um, sounds the death knell to Western society and Western culture. And, uh, you know, uh, people think the Crusades were fought uh, to dominate uh, that region of the world, but actually the Crusades were fought, uh, quite frankly, uh, to, to retrieve the Holy Land. So, um, you know, this is revisionist uh, conception of history, and, and it's quite wrong. And not to recognize that there is a significant problem uh, throughout the West is uh, to stick your head in the sand, as, as the French did, and try to deal with it in the manner in which Okay, we'll allow um, Islam to spread in our society, but we'll keep them separate. We won't integrate them into society. We'll allow them to live in their own little areas run by their own law. And what you get in France is, uh, you know, 100 cars burning each weekend, mm-hmm. which has been going on for years. And uh, in the last couple of months, over 2,000 French policemen were injured by stone-throwing Islamic youth, wow. which uh, the worldwide press is um, sticking their head in the sand wow. and reporting. Yes. Wow. All right. Well, we need to take another break. Um, my guest today is Harvey Kushner, uh, one of the world's leading authorities on terrorism. And uh, his book, his newest book, is Holy War on the Home Front. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson, echopreneur, author, and green living maven, brings you an upbeat, fun exploration of the doables of living a more earth-friendly life. Kim cuts through the noise and urban myth of green do's and don'ts and shows that it is possible to live green easily, from hip organic weddings to exotic echo travel to healthy personal care products. Get the most current trends and tips from the experts for living a more planet-friendly and human lifestyle. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson, broadcast each Thursday at noon pacific 3 p.m eastern on the voice america channel living the green life for a human healthy and planet-friendly lifestyle if you are a self-published author or an independent publisher you know how difficult it is to gain maximum exposure for the latest ways to increase publicity for your work tune into on the same page with maxine thompson every tuesday at 6 a.m pacific time On the show, Maxine will interview thriving independent authors and give you the opportunity to call in and have your questions answered. She will also teach you fresh and innovative ways to gain more visibility and enhance sales for your book. The printed word has the ability to record culture and make history. Once again, that's On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Make your words count on voiceamerica.com. From our home to your speakers, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-346-9141. 
335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Harvey Kushner. He is the author of numerous books about terrorism, a consultant to the government, um, and trying to warn us about terrorism even before uh, 9-11. His latest book is Holy War on the Home Front. Um, Harvey, before we, we continue, I do want to say just backpedal a little bit on something that I had talked about. We were talking about the uh, Quran and the... Um, congressman who wants to take his oath of office on it. And I still stick with what I said in regard to that being sort of um, <laughs> the epitome of hypocrisy. But um, I do want to say, you know, not to sort of criticize um, uh, some religion's holy book, but what, what I've been struck by in recent months uh, as I learn more about this is how many of the people, just like just like many people, um, uh, including myself, have not read certainly the first and um, the 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 Judeo-Christian Bible uh, cover to cover. Um, I, I'm sure that many Muslims have not read the um, the Quran uh, cover to cover. And what I've been sort of um, really shocked by in in recent months is just how, according to I. I I haven't read it myself, but according to scholars that I've been listening to, uh, how many passages are uh, calling for the um, either the conversion or the um, kidnapping or the or the death uh, to infidels who don't believe in that religion, and that's the part that I find as as being um, shocking and. Uh, certainly not okay for someone in this country to be taking an oath on a book that calls for our destruction. But I didn't. I wanted to sort of backpedal and, and not well, criticize the whole Koran well, no, uh, in its I entirety. I don't think you were, but uh, one has to understand that uh, uh, the religion of peace was, was uh, really headed up by a uh, general and yes. by a politician, and that's not so of uh, Judeo-Western. Religions uh, certainly um, um, the New Testament and Christianity is about redemption. It is true that uh, uh, the Jewish religion is also has a legal code, but it's uh, legal code which is uh, the underpinnings of uh, Western society. Uh, but uh, make no mistake about it by um, trying to uh, by saying that and prefacing it and saying that there's only uh, a few people who have hijacked the so-called religion of peace and. Um, that is that is not true because um, yeah. the number of um, uh, Muslims worldwide is estimated anywhere between 1.2 to 1.7 billion, and, and if you use the numbers used by uh, Islamic societies that have problems with their own population, and they say only a very small percentage, you know, five ten percent is problematic. If you do the numbers, you're talking between 120 and 170 million people who are indeed problematic and. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we're facing a, a formidable enemy, an, an, an enemy that uh, does not want to live in peace, does not want to uh, adapt, and will do anything uh, to um, use its um, religion as a backdrop for uh, proselytizing and, and conversions. Uh, um, you know, this is the best-kept secret. Look, when, when the Pope went around 
um, made a statement at an academic setting uh, about a, a very archaic uh, Byzantine leader. Uh, what was the result? The result was worldwide hysteria in the Muslim community, riots, uh, people were killed, and uh, the more you would have discussed that, uh, the worse it would have, uh, you know, um, more would have happened. Um, you have a series of cartoons that are um, published uh, about Muhammad, and you get worldwide uh, riots, you get people killed, you get embassies sacked. Uh, but yet, Iran... Uh, holds a contest um, on um, the Holocaust for cartoons, uh, and it's published mm. on a daily basis, the anti-Semitic uh, mm. cartoons in Egyptian newspapers. Uh, there's, really? a conference gonna, there's a conference going on um, yes. in, in Iran, uh, the, for the, uh, you know, as gathering of, of the world's uh, Holocaust deniers. Uh, and this man is, uh, we should sit down and negotiate with him uh, when he denies the Holocaust. And in fact, what he is actually calling for is a Holocaust. He's called for the destruction of the, the state of Israel. Yes. So, you know, I, yes, I, rest yes. my, I rest my case in terms of the sensibilities of people of the Islamic faith. Uh, people of the Islamic faith need to do more to step up to the plate. And uh, But I guess, so look, uh, they come here to this country, uh, you know, to practice what they want, um, you know, and they don't come necessarily because they're fearful of their life in another Islamic society because they are free to practice their religion. Um, we need to have more moderate Muslims, if there's such a thing as a moderate Muslim, uh, to come up, uh, step up to the plate, and deal with this problem. And I'm suggesting uh, to you and your audience that uh, we don't see this in any great... Um, wave of human outcry, uh, how many Muslim groups, uh, a lip service the Council of American um, Islamic Relations say about the cartoon incident or about uh, uh, why aren't they um, prophetizing yes. Iranians for having a conference on yes. Holocaust denial? Yes, yes. I mean, I know it's, it's shocking that uh, today, <laughs> in um, 2006, that there could still be a conference on, on uh you know, did the did the Holocaust exist? I, I mean, but um, you know, it's also from what you've been saying. What also uh, is clear is how, uh, and I don't think we can just blame this on Osama, but obviously there is a leadership um, in the uh, Islamic terrorist world who is very cleverly infiltrating um, the world. I mean, Europe. Yes, I've seen that. Um, and America, certainly it's a, little, it's a little harder to see in America, actually, than it is in Europe. But we were talking before about, you know, yes, there is recruiting that goes on in prisons, and yes, there is recruiting that's going on in colleges. Um, and it's like, you know, and we, you mentioned about how these populations are very vulnerable to um, becoming recruited for their various reasons, disenchanted, rebellion, etc., and, and, you know, there seems to be a very clever, and now uh, getting people into office, there just seems to be a whole, and this is just part of the picture, but there seems to be a very cleverly thought-out, well-planned infiltration of our society. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, did you see the movie War of the Worlds? Um, you know how uh, all of a sudden there were these sleeper cells, as I like to call it, of these... Of these um, aliens or whatever, that, that suddenly, suddenly seem to pop out of the ground, you know, where, um, 
the movie is such a, a parable. So it, ha, it has such parallels in what's happening really with terrorism and, and the infiltration that has been well, quietly going on for decades. See, we want to separate it out and talk about just terrorism and the bad guys. But the problem is Islam. The problem is Islam, and it's condoning of uh, violence. I mean, this is what the Pope's message was about, uh, and I'm glad he didn't apologize for that message. This is what the message that resonates in the Islamic community. You know, let's face it, with, with the exception of, of Turkey, and, and that really is, uh, I hold a reserved judgment on that, um, you cannot name a democratic Islamic society worldwide. They don't exist. And, and for anybody with any sense of intelligence to assume that they do, um, they don't. And there hasn't been a, a reformation within the Islamic world in, in how women are treated and how uh, equal rights are treated and how other religions are treated. Uh, the best kept sec- uh, secret is that Christianity can't be practiced in Saudi Arabia. A Christian can't even enter the city of Mecca. I mean, this, this type of denial by the West of the practice of Islam is something that's going to be with us for decades, if not another millennium, because we have to be able to deal with what the problem is. You can't have, um, you can't make a silk's purse out of a sow's ear, and that's a pun that was fully intended. And quite, quite frankly, um, to deal with terrorism, you have to deal with Islam, because it's condoned in that region of the world. You know, suicide bombing is a technique which is, nobody speaks negatively about it throughout the Middle East. In fact, uh, they're very positive about it. In fact, uh, governments uh, give money um, to families um, as annuities who blow themselves up. Uh, This this type of behavior is not extraordinarily, um, you know, um, shall we say, Different. This behavior comes out of a region of the world which condones it. And um, by us denying this and, and trying to say, well, it's a group of people who have hijacked religion, it's not just the Sama Ben of course it's not just the Sama Ben Laden, it's, it's the Islamic world that's allowing this to happen. Um, clearly, uh, I, I know of no other uh, religion that, that uh, speaks to violence as um, uh, Islam. I mean, it, it just clearly permeates its very existence. And uh, quite frankly, you can't have a dialogue. Notice when you have people who want a dialogue about Islam, uh, it's, it's through uh, crowds and it's through um, sacking of an embassy. Uh, and then others in that region of the world say, well, that's not everybody who feels that way. Well, if it's not everybody that feels that way, why isn't there a groundswell for yeah. those who don't uh, to rise up and yeah. condemn that type of behavior and to stop it, physically stop it? doesn't happen. Yes. Um, this all is all very worrying. Well, why don't you... Um... I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be uh, totally negative. Uh, <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is I would like to be wrong. I certainly would like to be wrong. Uh, but is there anyone out there that doesn't see what's going on in Lebanon, doesn't see what's going on in Syria, doesn't see what's going on in Saudi Arabia, doesn't see in Kuwait, doesn't see Iran, Iraq? I mean, <laughs> this is like the most bizarre uh, denial yeah. ever. I mean, yeah. you know, it, 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 even when in Bosnia and Herzegovina, I mean, take a look at uh, look at the Sudan. What's occurring there? I mean, 
why isn't the United Nations more worked up about the four? I mean, who's doing the killing in the, in the killing fields there? Is it Christians? Right. No, I know it must be it must be incredibly uh, frustrating um, to you on a on a cultural, well, historical, political level, just well, as it is to me on a psychological level. It, it, um, it's not all people... that disturbing. I mean, it, it's so clear. I, I remember when the Virgin Mary was bedecked in feces and urine in a museum in New York. Uh, I didn't see many um, uh, Catholics walking down Fifth Avenue, breaking windows and sat and turning over cars. I, I mean. Uh, Get real world. Take a look at at, at behavior, and take a look at actions, and and Mm -hmm. take a look at the the, the rhetoric that comes out. Take a look at the major newspapers in in all the Islamic countries, and and look at the filthy depiction of Christians and Jews on a daily basis in the papers in in Egypt, and and deny it. Yes, yes, and certainly that kind of thing is not happening uh, in the other than. Other than the isolated incident of cartoons, but uh, it's not happening in that kind of basis in the Western world, and yet, yet there's still this. We do need to take a break. When we come back, um, why don't you tell us what we, the average person, can do in America to, uh, or all over the world, since this goes out all over the world, uh, what people can do to to stop all of this takeover from happening. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest today is Harvey Kushner. Stay tuned, and uh, we'll be back. From our home to your speakers, voiceamerica.com. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free, with host, entrepreneur, author, motivational speaker, corporate executive, philanthropist, wife, and mother, Luann Mitchell-Halter, is an exciting and provocative look at the real world with real exciting guests and real stories of triumph and professionalism with a dash of spice, sharing recipes for a better world on all the playing fields of life. Join Luann Mitchell-Halter as she and her guests uncover and expose us to our abilities to create our very own Big League MVP, My Victory Plan, Potential for Greatness. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free with Luann Mitchell-Halter broadcasts each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free. It's time to get off the bleachers, play the game of life, and be the MVP. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. Radio to thrive by. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, 
Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women and Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women and Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women in Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Carol, call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Harvey Kushner, the author of the recently released Holy War on the Home Front. So what can we all do about this? Well, I'd like to um, go on public record uh, supporting um, Ann Coulter's uh, call for mass conversion. Um, but uh, in reality, I know that's mass not going to Mass conversion? <laughs> Well, Ann Coulter has said that the way to deal with the problem is uh, just as they talk about converting um, uh, Christians and Jews to Islam, we should convert all people of Islamic. <laughs> I mean, but 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 that's not going to happen. But what, 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 uh, what I'm hoping is that uh, the American dream, and there is an American dream. There's no British dream. There's no French dream. There's no Flemish dream. There's no German dream, and uh, there's no Islamic dream actually. Uh, but the American dream is a dream that this country was founded upon that uh, uh, has a motto on the Statue of Liberty and uh, allows people of all faiths and all creeds uh, to come here and to practice their faith and creed without having government tell them what to do and what they, what they shouldn't do. Uh, and it allows growth economically and socially and so forth and so on. And it's worked here for all these hundreds of years. Uh, I, I'm kind of a believer that if um, we somehow could allow um, the Islamic community, um, and, and they have to some extent, integrate within American society, that um, the underpinnings of, of their religious beliefs that uh, run counter to um, uh, our way of uh, uh, life um, will we'll turn them around and they would become, uh, uh, you know, uh, Secularized into American society to some extent, and adapt American ways. And um, uh, this is some possibility that I think can only exist in our society. It certainly doesn't exist in Great Britain because in Great Britain, um, you know, ethnic communities are kept separate. Uh, certainly, that's true in France, Germany, and throughout Europe. Uh, they're really not integrated, but uh, to a great extent, uh, integration does take place here. Now that said, uh, there's a lot of work we need to be done. We need to really uh, deal with an immigration problem that's totally out of control, uh, certainly in our southern border and even on our northern border. Uh, we need to uh, sort of put a lid on uh, the expansion within our society and allow those who've come here uh, from a variety of different uh, faiths uh, uh, to uh, be uh, you know, absorbed. And I think you see some of that, but... Uh, the more we allow a place like Dearborn, Michigan, the more we allow a place uh, such as uh, Detroit uh, to, um, you know, continue on their own way. And uh, 
if we move in the direction as they have in, in Canada, where in uh, Ontario province uh, you have the right in the civil court to either um, be adjudicated through Sharia law, uh, and the great the Brits are thinking of doing the same thing in mm. Great Britain mm. now, uh, allowing that to take place. Um, I, I think that doesn't deal with the problem. I, I think uh, people of Islamic faith um, and who come here and uh, practice within the American system and, and get exposed to the way we do business here. Quite frankly, uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer that that's going to rub off and somehow uh, alter uh, their um, belief system uh, to a great extent. And I think you saw this back in the 60s and the 70s when we opened up, for example, um, law enforcement to minorities and to females. I think law enforcement today in the 21st century, certainly local law enforcement, is certainly of a different complexion and different gender than it was 30, 40 years ago. And that's a good thing, and I think the same thing will happen here. I think that's the only way a reformation could take place. But uh, to put it in play like uh, the president wanted in Iraq or within a couple of years, I don't think that's possible. Because I don't think you can force it. Well, I guess one of the problems is that um, though there is a population of people who, you know, um, who have come um, here who will be, um, who will, who appreciate, who come to appreciate and love America and all of that. It, it seems like it's two poles, that it's, there are those people and yet there are the other people who you talk about in your book who have come here with a purpose to well, that, that, recruit and to, um, turn people against America. You're right. I was trying to be politically correct here and I should go back to not being so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, people who I know uh, years ago came here said if they built a bridge, they wouldn't go back. I mean, the people who've come here today come here to take advantage of the American economy, then go back uh, to retire to their uh, to their countries outside. And we've also changed immigration policies thanks to uh, Ted Kennedy uh, and the Kennedy family back in the '60s, where uh, immigration quotas are different, and uh, we bring in people from regions of the world with different cultures that have significant political baggage, which don't necessarily blend with a Judeo-Christian belief system. So, I mean, these are all problems. I mean, dealing with um, integrating people in the in the 21st century is a little different than in the 19th and the 18th century. I know historians will say, look, you had hordes of immigration coming here, and at first uh, the, uh, the Irish, the Italians, the Jews, the Germans, all of them couldn't fit in. But uh, one has to understand that uh, they really came out of a culture which was very much... Um, the underpinnings of American society. That's well, not true uh, from the Islamic world. Well, and I'm, I'm sure you would agree that, you know, it, to a large extent, people coming into America from lots of different countries um, certainly has enriched America. The difference is when someone comes here with the intent of destroying America and being sort of a wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh, no, a- absolutely, that, that, that's the case, and we've had those in the past, too, but nothing like we've had with the wave of immigration from uh, Islamic nations uh, who want to, be, uh, want to be insulated, want to continue their ways, want to practice their own form of law, and want to, uh, you know, uh, dance to a different drummer. I mean, this, this is a problem. I mean, the dream of those coming from Eastern and Western Europe uh, was to integrate within our society and take part in the American dream. I don't believe that's the case from yes, a lot of other yes, that, regions of the world. That's the key, that uh, people who, who came here, you know, 
because maybe because they thought the streets were paved with gold, but but yes, they were coming here to follow the American dream, whereas people who come to destroy the American dream are the ones that um, we, of course, have to wake up to and be more careful about. Well, unfortunately, our time is up. It flew by. Yes. Um, I would, first of all, um, I know your books are all over the place, but is there a particular website that you would like to give out? No, uh, you know, they can visit harveykushner.com, but, uh, you know, generally the books are available in bookstores or in, on Amazon, you know, if they want to purchase uh, Holy War. But, uh, no, I just think people need to educate themselves about uh, what the threat is, and uh, uh, this time of the year, uh, be thankful for uh, what we have and uh, what we will like, and never deny your past. Yes, and uh, I think one thing that I would like to add is that, uh, you know, uh, Harvey Kushner talked earlier in the show about um, the campuses where the 60s, they were thinking of world peace um, as well as rebelling. And uh, I would like to say that um, it would be nice to be able to continue to think about world peace and at the same time to sort of not remain in denial and wake up to what's going on before before it surprises us all and uh, in something worse than 9-11. So thank you very much, Harvey Kushner. Again, his latest book, but he, there's a whole plethora of books written by him, including the Encyclopedia of Terrorism. Uh, his latest book, Holy War on the Home Front. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 